Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Dobbs. President Biden is back in the White House after his blunder-filled four days in Belgium and Poland. He committed solecisms repeatedly and painfully. Mr. Biden contradicted the White House policy dicta that sanctions do act as deterrence and maintain the sanctions are meant as punishment. He also told some soldiers what they would see when they go to Ukraine, describing the Ukrainians they would see fighting the Russians. All of that, of course, presupposed that the soldiers he was talking to would be in Ukraine. But of course, the 82nd Airborne, nor any other of our American troops, will be going to Ukraine. Biden also declared the United States will respond in kind if Putin uses chemical weapons in Ukraine. The White House says the president again misspoke. He meant to say that the United States would respond accordingly, but never use chemical weapons. And the really big one. President Biden saying, quote, for God's sake, this man cannot remain in power, end quote. Biden's ad lib played into the hands of Vladimir Putin's propagandist and was simply the capstone on what had been four days of Biden's blundering boondoggle to Europe. No wonder Biden's approval numbers are at an all-time low in the NBC News poll, 40%. No wonder 70% of those polled don't have confidence that Biden can deal with the Russian war on Ukraine, and a majority say the country is headed in the wrong direction. White House staff say the president is anxious to pass his legislative agenda, and folks, I don't believe we should allow President Biden to take any action of any kind until we know more about his mental health and his cognitive ability whether he's truly fit to carry out his duties as president. Mr. Biden made mistakes every day of his European trip. Mistakes in some instances that could have, in fact, may yet escalate a war. They weren't mere gaffes. He's a man who obviously isn't in control of his faculties. And I urge the House and Senate leaders of both parties to hold a summit to find out, to make clear, whether the nation is secure in the knowledge that Biden will take no step until he's taken a cognitive test and cleared it with flying colors. Congressman Ronnie Jackson, retired Navy Admiral and White House physician to three presidents, Bush, Obama, and Trump, has called for a cognitive test twice over the past year because of Biden's lapses and what he sees as a man who is mentally impaired. We can't afford for any president to risk our national security and the lives and livelihoods of 300 million Americans because of what appears to be clearly an addled, weakened mind. I urge everybody listening to consider telling your congressmen, senators, and governors, and state legislators to insist 
on a cognitive test immediately for President Biden. President Trump took a cognitive test immediately when Democrats questioned his state of mind. The Biden White House has twice refused. It's time for the president to demonstrate his mental acuity and take the cognitive test. To put it directly, what is the White House hiding? Please consider calling, writing, whatever, to let your elected officials know how you feel about this important issue. And thank you for doing so. President Trump is now on offense, taking the battle over the 2020 presidential election straight into the face of the radical and Marxist Dems who tried to stop his campaign in 2016 and tried to overthrow his presidency. The 45th president has filed a lawsuit against Hillary Clinton, the Democratic National Committee, Clinton campaign chairman John Podesta, FBI director James Comey, Fusion GPS, and 20 other defendants. And more Trump lawsuits are expected, one as early as next week. And meanwhile, there's a new election afoot, and it's a battle that Republicans are supposed to win. The Gateway Pundit's Joe Hoff raises questions about how seriously the Alaskan Republican Party is taking election security. Hoff reporting the voter rolls have ballooned to 103% of registrations. And the statewide June 11th primary election to replace Congressman Don Young will have all mail-in ballots with no signature check. Do you think Ronald McDaniel at the RNC cares who wins at Alaska? Do you think the Republicans in Alaska care? Sobering, isn't it? Luckily, the state of Ohio is nothing like Alaska. They care who wins. On average, the party not in the White House historically has won a net gain of four to five seats in the midterm election. Running for the Senate seat that Rob Portman is resigning is the former Ohio State Treasurer, Josh Mandel. He's an attorney, former Ohio State Representative, and served eight years in the Marine Corps Reserves with two tours in Iraq. Josh, great to have you with us on The Great America Show. Thanks, Lou, good to be on. I want to get to first and foremost, uh, your your reason for running, what motivated you uh, to to run for office? Sure. So I, I'm uh, the grandson of Holocaust survivors. My uh, grandfather, Joe, is from Kelts, Poland. Uh, he lost his mother, father, and five siblings in the Nazi death camps, and he was the lone survivor, survived Auschwitz and multiple other camps and was ultimately liberated by American troops. Um, and then my grandma, Fernanda, was an Italian Jew, which was relatively uncommon at the time. There were about 50,000 of them in Italy that went back many generations. My grandma, Fernanda, my Aunt Marietta, my Aunt Renata, my Uncle Mario. And my, my grandma, Fernanda, was hidden and saved by a network of courageous Christian families um, they took her in, hid her, raised her as if she was their own, and saved her life. And uh, and at the very same time as my grandfather Joe was in the camps and my grandmother Fernanda was being hidden by this network of courageous Christians, my other grandfather Harold from Cleveland, Ohio, who went to John Adams High School right here in the Cleveland area, he was wearing the uniform of our great country, serving in the United States Army Air Corps. And so when I was growing up here in the Cleveland area, my grandparents, they, they came from different perspectives, obviously, but they ultimately arrived at the same conclusion. And it was a conclusion that they really hammered into me as a young kid. And it was this, it was that in this life, I owe two debts 
two debts to two very powerful forces. Uh, but for these forces, I wouldn't be here right now. One of those powerful forces was the United States military. You know, brave men in places like Iwo Jima, Omaha Beach, Normandy, who uh, risked their life and pay the ultimate sacrifice to liberate my grandparents. Uh, but for those brave men, those young teenagers, right, from places like Cleveland, Ohio, Columbus, Ohio, Sussex, New Jersey, New York City, Tuscaloosa, Austin, Texas, all over this country, rural, urban, suburban areas, risking their lives. Some of them 16 years old lying about their age just so they can get into the fight. You know, think about that generation. That's one of the reasons I'm here and trying to pay back that debt. I joined the United States Marine Corps, did my small part, did a few tours in Iraq. And the other debt I've been trying to pay back in my life is that debt to the network of courageous Christians. And in trying to pay back that debt, I, I have been and will continue to be a real warrior for religious liberty, religious freedom, and men and women of faith. And so I'm running for the United States Senate to try to advance those ideals, to uh, try to protect the Judeo-Christian bedrock of America, uh, not the Muslim bedrock, not the atheist bedrock, but America was founded on a, uh, on a, on a bedrock of Judeo-Christian values, and there's so many factors that differentiate those values from other belief sets, but one of the differentiating factors is our acknowledgement of good versus evil and our willingness to fight for good over evil. And as Lou, you so articulately uh, communicate on, on your show here and have for many years on, on your podcasts and your TV shows, that we need fighters who have backbone and steel spine to stand up to a lot of evil in this world. Um, and then uh, I'm also uh, you know, going to Washington to advance the cause of American exceptionalism and American strength. Um, you know, I believe we need to return to the Reagan shining city on the hill doctrine and the Trump America first strong America doctrine. Um, and right now, unfortunately, uh, we're living under an administration, the Biden administration, which I believe is a continuation of the Obama doctrine. And the Obama doctrine was one that said, let's bring America down a few pegs. Let's bring other countries up and have this, you know, quote unquote, global community where we're all equal. And I think as we've seen time and time again throughout American history, when America is weak, the world is not peaceful and the American people are not prosperous. But when America is strong, when America leads, when America has a strong commander in chief, when America has a strong economy, when America has a strong military, that is when the American people are prosperous, have money in their pockets, their families are happy and safe, and it's also when the world is most peaceful. And so that's, uh, that's why I'm going to the U.S. Senate, to go try to advance those ideals, not for you, Lou, not for me, not for our generation. I don't think it's about us anymore. I'm going to do it for our kids and our grandkids and for me, it's about, you know, my three kids, Gideon, Judah, and Rosie, and it's about doing it for the kids and grandkids of, of all your listeners as well. Well, those are great reasons, and I, and I think uh, most Americans share both your, uh, your vision and, and the role of the Judeo-Christian uh, heritage that we all share uh, and we want for our country because it is, it is the foundation for our, uh, in my judgment, uh, for our future, our destiny as a nation. I want to. I want to turn. You mentioned the, being a warrior, being a fighter, uh, throughout. And I uh, have to say that the the um, I will call it a kerfuffle 
that you got into uh, with your opponent uh, on the stage the other day. Uh, I, one of the things that I was impressed with is how quickly when he stood over you and with his body challenging you, his body language was insulting. And when he said, you don't understand, I believe it took you about a nanosecond to rise from your chair and, and meet him head on. Uh, they don't train that. They don't teach that in candidate uh, school. Uh, they don't uh, teach that in politician school. Uh, it was so refreshing to see a man stand up and act like a man and say, this isn't going to happen. Uh, and here we go. I, so I want to just compliment you for uh, doing that. Uh, it was absolutely natural and reflexive. So we saw Josh Mandel uh, in person the way uh, you live your life. And I have to say it was impressive. And I just want to thank you for uh, meeting head on uh, a challenge, a, a threat, in point of fact, uh, like that. I appreciate you saying that, Lou. Uh, you know, sometimes you, uh, your instincts just kick in. And that's what happened there. And I felt what my opponent was doing, this Mike Gibbons guy, was insulting veterans throughout Ohio and throughout the country by saying that serving in the military isn't real work. And I just felt an obligation to stand up to him. Yeah, well, uh, good for you. Good on you. Uh, we, uh, we all appreciate it. I, I want to uh, turn now to the issues that are in front of us uh, and, and broadly. Uh, first and foremost, your assessment uh, as a veteran of what's going on in Ukraine, we have now thousands of troops and more uh, apparently on the way uh, to, uh, to, the, uh, to the eastern flank of the NATO countries. Uh, your sense of what's going on, your thoughts. Sure. Well, when, when I look at this situation, I, I go back to when the wall fell in uh, Germany, which was a product of American strength and President Reagan's leadership. And you're probably familiar with the story, but for some of your listeners who are not, Putin was the KGB station chief at the time. And basically his comrades left the KBG, KGB station, but he, he was a loyalist and he stayed there to burn documents and do whatever he's supposed to do. The KGB station gets surrounded, um, and he thought that was the end of his life. He walks out, and somehow he talks his way out of it with the troops there, and I think convinced them that you know he was like a low-level janitor or um, clerk or something. And he's spoken about the fact that that was the most embarrassing moment in his life, to have to abandon the KGB station, be surrounded. And he talks about how it was embarrassing not only for him personally – but for his mother, Russia, as well. And he blames that moment of extreme embarrassment on Ronald Reagan and the United States of America. And ever since that time, he's hated America and what we stand for. And so, you know, I think it's important to understand, for all your listeners, understand that history, that I personally believe there's nothing pro-American about being pro-Putin. Um, I, I also think it's important, you know, for your listeners to know that on February 4th of this year, right before the Olympics, Putin flew to Beijing and he and Xi, the leader of the Chinese Communist Party, put out a joint statement to the world. And in that joint statement, there was one line that was addressed to the American people. And it said this, quote, we, the Russian Federation, we, the Chinese Communist Party, we are focused on a redistribution of power in the world. Translation, they are focused on the downfall of America and the rise of the Russian Federation and the Chinese Communist Party. 
And so I think it's important to view this war, this conflict with Russia and Ukraine, Ukraine through that lens. That this is, I think, the decision to invade Ukraine was made in Beijing between Putin and Xi on February 4th, or maybe even before then. And this is a demonstration for Xi, and he's watching it very closely. That being that, said, that, that yeah. excuse me, I, I I I think many of our listeners are familiar with the the five thousand word agreement that is uh, actually a treaty uh, between the two nations, uh, uh, long in the making, uh, twenty seven visits in point of fact uh, yep. between the two heads of state. Uh, the the invasion though. Uh, was ordered by Vladimir Putin yep. uh, with the strategic partner's approval, apparently, uh, Xi Jinping. But what we're witnessing now, uh, the United States government has now uh, said point blank what uh, Vladimir Putin is committing in Russia uh, is not only war, but uh, he is a war criminal. And that puts it pretty clearly. When you sacrifice as many civilians, Ukrainian civilians, uh, as he has, uh, when he de when you devastate, uh, just for the sheer power, uh, the, for the purpose of exercising the sheer power you possess, as Putin has, you are a war criminal. Uh, he has killed people uh, without uh, without any compunction whatsoever, uh, and it's outrageous. And more outrageous to me, frankly, is the fact that the entire European Union. NATO, which is a defense organization, and the United States of America had three months warning to do something about it, to position supplies, food, equipment, weaponry, and did nothing. And that is, that is the behavior of fools, and perhaps cowards as well, but I'll certainly say fools. And that isn't what we elect presidents for, or Congress, or senators for. Uh, there's an absence of leadership to have allowed this to happen. I agree wholeheartedly. I uh, I wish I had a lot to add to that, but I don't. I think you you nailed it, and you you hit the just bullseye. And the the failure by NATO, the failure by Biden, the weakness by Biden, the incompetence coming out of his White House, out of his Pentagon, the incoherence of his foreign policy, all led up and contributed to this. Not to mention, Lou, his energy policy. You know when. When, when Trump left the White House, he left America energy independent and an exporter of natural gas. All Biden had to do was nothing. If Biden would have just continued the Trump energy policy, we by now would be a mass exporter of natural gas into Europe. If we would have been undercutting Putin's prices in throughout Europe, he wouldn't have the money, time, resource to be invading Ukraine. He'd be dealing with a bunch of economic headaches back home. But instead, Biden comes in, shuts down the Keystone XL pipeline, stops the pipeline from Alberta, Canada, and Michigan, mm -hmm. lifts sanctions on Russia, which enabled the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. And then Biden says to us, the American people, that he wants us to depend on OPEC. It's like, wait a second, Biden, OPEC? These are radical Muslim countries in the Middle East, many of which would love to push America into the sea. How about instead of depending on OPEC, we depend on places like Ohio, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Texas, Oklahoma, Colorado. And you know, a lot of your uh, listeners, I think, would be pleasantly surprised to hear this statistic because I was pleasantly surprised to hear it as well. If you took the state of Ohio, the state of Pennsylvania, and the state of West Virginia, 
our three states, combine them into a region, that region will be the third largest producer of natural gas in the entire world. You don't I'll think of- I, I, I didn't realize that. I didn't either when I first heard it. It's, it's unbelievable. So, you know, we're not a big oil state. Obviously, Texas, New Mexico, yeah. Oklahoma, Colorado, Louisiana, those are big oil states. But what we do here, what we have here is an abundance of natural gas. And well, we're, we're an energy rich country. There's no question about that. And the most powerful. I, I've got to get to a couple of things. We've got limited time. Uh, I know you've got uh, a busy schedule. Uh, let, let me turn just to a few things, get some quick reaction from you. Uh, and so that people get a, a, a broader a broader sense of who Josh Mandel is. Uh, and let me start with Senator Mitt Romney saying Katanji Jackson Child's views on uh, porn and the attacks by the Republicans uh, as they were styled. Uh, those porn attacks are off course, according to Mitt Romney, and won't affect the way he votes. Uh, I know that you're busy, but I also know that you read and uh, follow the news. Uh, what, are, what are your thoughts of Katanji Jackson uh, as the next associate justice of the Supreme Court? In my mind, she's disqualified for a variety of reasons, you know, that one of them. But, but the bigger one is, you know, when Senator Kennedy asked her yesterday, when does life begin? And she couldn't even answer the question. Um, and I, I just I'm I, I am done with any of these nominees um, that are abortionists. And, you know, I think any nominee who stands up there and is OK with the murder of innocent children in violation of thou shalt not kill in the Ten Commandments in my mind, are not qualified to be justices. And, uh, and, 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 and Lou, that applies to the district courts, the appellate courts, and frankly, people running for a county, jo county judge here in Tyga County or the Ohio Supreme Court. It's just, uh, I, you know, if we're not gonna protect life and protect innocent children, then nothing else really matters. Um, not to mention so many of her other radical views across the board and you know I, I just think she is so outrageously radical and outside of the mainstream and listen if you just if you watch who she's been in her past she's not going to be a justice she's going to be a legislator and that's the opposite of what we want on, on any court let alone the supreme court we don't want these activist judges who think it's their job to make law you know we need judges you know in the spirit of scalia who understand the role of the judicial branch, and she sits on the board uh, with a uh, with a friend and associate. Uh, the two of them, uh, a longtime friend, sit on the board of a private school, which uh, has CRT, critical race theory, uh, as <laughs> Senator Cruz said, uh, brimming uh, with CRT. Uh, she feigned uh, ignorance of the fact. She feigned ignorance of what CRT is uh, and was evasive and left absolutely no impression whatsoever that she had any responsibility for CRT in a school in which she sat on the board. Uh, your reaction? Sure. Well, it, it, it's just not believable. Of course, she knew about it. Um, and let me talk about this virus of uh, critical race theory that's infecting our kids' minds and separating our kids down racial lines. So. I was having coffee the other day with my, my buddy, Mike, here in the Cleveland area. He and his wife, Danielle, they have an eight-year-old. Their eight-year-old daughter is the same age as my daughter, Rosie. So their daughter comes home from school. She goes to an all-girl school here. She, co she comes home from school, 
and say, hey, honey, how was school today? She says, good, what'd you do? And she says, well, we did affinity groups. And my buddy Mike says to his daughter, well, what's, what's an affinity group? And she says, oh, well, they, you know, they, spl they split the you know, class and the black kids into one group and the white kids in another group and the Hispanic kids and Asian kids and everyone had their own group. He's like, oh, well, what was the point of doing that? And she's like, well, you know, they, they gave names of each of the groups. And he said, and Mike says, well, what was the name of the, your group, the, the white girls? And uh, she said, the name of our group was bystanders and oppressors. Whoa. Lou, these are eight-year-old girls with bows in their hair. They're calling them oppressors. It, it's just, yeah. it's, and you know what the left is doing? They are stomping on the grave of Martin Luther King. When Martin Luther King preached to judge people based on the content of one's character, not the color of one's skin. And the, the left is just trying to make everything about skin color. And, yeah. you know, listen, you know, it I know you just, bought It isn't just Martin Luther King. Uh, they're kicking every one of us in this country, every citizen who believes in the values of this country, who understands this country's history, its heritage, uh, and all that we have uh, done to benefit the world. Uh, only ignorant fools would divide children rather than bring them together. Only fools would be so absolutely uh, dishonest and reckless and vicious as to do that. Uh, I, I, I condemn them. And I don't understand why every American doesn't condemn anyone who would do that uh, and be a part of it. Uh, whether you're, it's your, it's, uh, your child is in that school, your child should be out of that school. Uh, if you are uh, involved in any, with anyone who's doing that, uh, you might as well be involved with the Ku Klux Klan as these proponents of critical race theory because they're every bit as ignorant and, and perhaps even more pernicious and dangerous. The, uh, I called it a virus before, and I, I really think that's what it is. It's, it's, uh, it's spread by the left in this country yep. and, the, and the liberal elites who want to divide the American people down racial lines, down socioeconomic lines. And it's part, I believe, Lou, of a, of a bigger cause they're trying to advance called socialism. And when you look at the arc of world history, you know, socialist regimes, they come in. One of the first things they do is they try to take God out of society and take yep. religion out. And that's what these people are doing here. They are there. It's this like race to a secular America and they want to try to take faith out of all aspects of life. And my feeling is we shouldn't be watering down on the Judeo-Christian foundation of America. We should be doubling down and and still in, it, in the classroom, in the workplace, and everywhere in society. And then part of the socialist playbook is you take guns away from the people, right? They're trying to do that. You know, then the socialists, what they like to do is uh, stomp on speech. And look what's going on. Like You got big government colluding with big tech to stomp on our free speech. Uh, and then once you've taken away religion, taken away guns, taken away free speech, then they try to divide the people, right? They pit the people against each other. And that's exactly what they're doing with critical race theory with all this transgender craziness they're, they're literally trying to divide the american people down racial lines down you know socioeconomic lines and it's 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 vile it's disgusting and it's all part of that socialist playbook and and we got to do everything we can to stop it and that's why i say we can't send these wimpy squishy soft republicans to washington anymore 
we gotta send we gotta send fighters. Like we gotta send fighters to Washington. No more uh, no more soft and soggy Republicans. Yeah. I I I I don't want to hear from any more never Trumpers. I don't want to hear from any Republicans in name only. Uh, I want people who believe in this Constitution, believe in this uh, this great nation of ours, and uh, and as far as I'm concerned, you you're you're fitting the bill, Josh, and I appreciate that. Uh, you and Gibbons are running uh, very close uh, in the uh, run up to the uh, election. Uh, what what is it in May? Uh, give us a sense of what you expect to unfold here over the next uh, couple of months. Sure. So, uh, yeah, when this race started, um, we thought our main opponent uh, would be the former party chairman. And, you know, she just hasn't caught steam how we thought she would. Then we thought it was going to be this guy, J.D. Vance. He ended up being a big never-Trumper, and he sort of sank his own campaign with all of his never-Trump language. Then we thought it was going to be an auto dealer, um, a very successful businessman, good guy, he put in a lot of money into the race and um, was really catching steam, but he, he decided not to continue his campaign. And then now we, we find ourselves, it, it sort of developed into a two-man race between me and this guy, Mike Gibbons. Uh, Gibbons uh, made his money by investing in uh, Chinese CCP-owned companies. He was actually invested in uh, Chinese Petro, also known as Sinopec, the same time Hunter Biden was real involved with it. And this was a company owned by the Chinese Communist Party. Um, he specialized in taking American companies and basically selling them to other countries, China, India, Mexico, all over Europe. Um, one of the ones that, uh, you know, he's very defensive about is, you know, he took an American company from the American Midwest and sold it to a company called Shanghai Shenda, you know, which is a CCP owned company. And, you know, this guy basically became a multi-gazillionaire by selling American jobs into China. And then now he's using that money he stuffed in his pockets to run for US Senate. And he's my main- you know, there, Some of the wealthy people in this country I've noticed, uh, particularly here of late, uh, it's always, there always been a handful, but they're cutting out the middleman now. They're just, they've decided they're just gonna go run for office themselves with their, their billions of dollars. Uh, you know, I guess the next thing we'll see is uh, uh, Jack Dorsey and, and uh, uh, and Zuck uh, out trying it out. Uh, you know, that way you don't have to worry about communicating uh, <laughs> through channels. You can just uh, tell people what to do yourself. I, I love this idea of having a bunch of billionaires in the, the U.S. Senate or the House of Representatives. Uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I just couldn't help but make that observation. Yeah, I mean, this guy's just like super condescending. He's also pro-choice, um, which... As I said, it's a disqualifier for a justice, a Supreme Court, or a federal judge. I think it's also a disqualifier for a U.S. senator. And, and yeah, he's just a bad guy. And so, but the one thing he's got over me is like he's super rich. He's put in twelve million of his own money. And so, you know, we're and we're out here. You know, we're we're running a grassroots campaign, and you know, we've got this army of uh, MAGA, America First activists and constitutional conservatives here in Ohio, but frankly, Lou, all over the country who are volunteering for our campaign, making phone calls. And, you know, a lot of them go on my website. It's uh, joshmandel.com, J-O-S-H-M-A-N-D-E-L.com. And, you know, they send us messages. Hey, I'd like to, even though I live in, you know, Texas, I'd like to volunteer. Even though I live in Florida, I'd like to volunteer. Even though I live in California, I'd like to volunteer. And so we've got a lot of volunteers all over the country. 
And people go on there, you know, they give five bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks, and it, it all adds up. And so we're running this grassroots campaign. We're up in the polls by two points, but it's very, very, very tight. And uh, we're in a dogfight against this guy who basically made his money, you know, selling American jobs to China and, and stuffing the money in his pockets. And so it's, and he was doing this while President Trump was running for, running on an America first anti-CCP platform. And so this is a, it, it's one of those situations where the, the contrast could not be any more clear. You know, I'm the pure America first constitutional conservative. And this guy's the guy who made money from China and was trying to fat cat trying to buy the race. Well, Josh Mandel, it's been uh, terrific of you to spend some time with us. We appreciate it. I've enjoyed talking with you. Uh, look forward to our next conversation and, uh, and the battle goes on. Uh, Lou, we're gonna Lou, get I've been, uh, excuse me, Josh. We uh, always give our guests the, the last word and uh, we're at that point and here you are, take it away. All right. Well, let me just finish up by saying it's an honor to be on the Lou Dobbs show. I mean, uh, I've been a fan of yours for so long, um, you know, both on, on TV and your podcast here. And I just feel like you've had the uh, intestinal fortitude and cojones to say things that, you know, so many other people on the right side of the ledger just have been, they've, they've been afraid to say while you've been unafraid. And that's what we need. We need leaders in the media, in, 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 in your case, in politics, in my case, in business and education, who've got backbone and who've got spine and are willing to fight and speak truth to power. And that's how I think of you, Lou. That's how I am. And, you know, any of your listeners who want to help me out, again, it's uh, joshmandel.com, J-O-S-H-M-A-N-D-E-L.com. I am pro-God, pro-gun, pro-liberty pro-Trump. And when I go to Washington, I'm, I'm going to fight with uh, two documents in hand, with the Bible in one hand and the Constitution in the other. Good for you. You're going to be well-armed. And uh, again, we have just, uh, we've enjoyed thoroughly talking with you. Uh, I know that your, your agenda is going to appeal to just about everybody, I would think, in the audience for The Great America Show. Thanks for being with us. God bless you. Thanks, Lou. Thanks to Josh Mandel. Tomorrow, among our guests here to discuss Ukraine, Putin, and what a weak and impaired president means to our national security, and the hidden role of the Chinese Communist Party is Gordon Chang. Also with us this week, Congressman Jim Jordan, former intelligence official, Russian expert, and author of the bestseller, Putin's Playbook, Russia's Secret Plan to Defeat America, author Rebecca Koffler and Real Clear Politics co-founder and publisher Tom Bevan. We hope you'll be with us for what is likely to be a week of big events. Thanks, everybody, for being with us today. Till tomorrow, God bless you, and God bless America.